it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and I'm trying not to become Matthew Coffer, yeah. and yet uh, Chris <laughs> is not helping me out here. And Doogie was supposed to be in, but he's coughing too. Great Good spot start. Mackie and Joe. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Gorgie sets the high screen to free Jimmy for the three. Great awareness by Gorgie to step up and set that screen, and then Jimmy does what he does. Okay, Chris, after last night, I'm considering getting a tattoo of Jimmy Butler saying, you can't bleep with me. To the Denver Nuggets right on my chest. It was the most perfect camera shot of an obscenity we've seen in town in quite some time, and it was perfectly timed, and it totally fit the situation. It absolutely fit the situation. Jimmy Butler has decided that everyone else on the team is soft, and he's going to win every game at the end. But he's just decided, you know what? You guys don't have it. You guys don't have heart. You guys don't have clutch, toughness, grit. I do. I'll do all that stuff. And last night was, he's been doing that kind of for the last maybe three, four weeks. But last night was, no, 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 we're not losing this game in overtime. And I'm going to make sure. And he scored every point except two. And on that two, he assisted on. Took every shot but one. And the only reason he passed it is because Jamal Crawford, the grizzled veteran, was screaming at him to give him the ball. And hit the shot that mattered. But for yeah, 12 points in OT, 11 straight. I think he had 23 points, fourth quarter overtime. Uh, it, I mean, <laughs> to say that, look, there, people have fair criticisms on what Tom Thibodeau's offense becomes late in the game. I don't have a problem with the fact that it's becoming, Jimmy, go. I can't really fight the offense in general when they're scoring 106 points a game going into last night, and then they put up whatever they put up. 100 was it 121, 126, 128, but 128. But they, okay, but but it's 71 at halftime. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. great. But if it's 71 at halftime, First like half I mean, the, the offense becomes the biggest point of criticism. But in a way, I I feel like. If you play your starters 40-plus minutes a night, asking them to run full speed up and down the court all the time is a little much. And when they're scoring a lot, it's not my biggest concern. I think that it's been, you know, we watch every game much closer than we have in the past. And so when there are lulls that almost every team that's not Golden State has, we go, what's what's wrong with this team? Come on, Tibbs, try some offense for most teams are like this. But the only games we watch are usually LeBron or Golden State or maybe Boston now, the exciting teams in the league. 
And that has become what we compare this Wolves team to. But I don't think that the offense is a big deal at all. And I thought last night showed that. And Jimmy has completely changed the franchise. One player who is this good can completely flip your franchise on the head. And now they are good and they are relevant and you can have all the complaints you want, but you cannot complain about how Jimmy Butler has played. And the other complaint will will be, and I get that the NBA is a game of runs and it's going to happen. And But the fact that they were up 19 in the third, mm-hmm. up nine with three minutes left, Denver rallies from 19 down. They take the lead. The Wolves kind of fend that off, build up this. They had a five-point lead. Wiggins hits this ridiculous four-point play shot, so they go up nine. And that was the point where you look at it and you go, okay, they've weathered the storm. In a blink, an absolute blink, Denver's back in the game and they mm-hmm. send it to overtime. And that's, for me, is the more frustrating part is they just can't put teams away. And their fourth quarter numbers, terrible. well, small sample from just the part of the season are really bad. Yeah. I mean, they're one of the worst in the league. And if you were way up, if you were Golden State and you were smashing teams and then your fourth quarter numbers were bad, you would say, well, no big deal. They're putting right. in the backups or they're way up in the game, so they're not trying as hard. This Every game is close with this team, which from just watching and enjoying watching a relevant Wolves team. It's a lot of fun. I'll take it. Right. I, I mean, games like last night, it, some people might look at that and go, ah, oh, you blew that lead and this is typical fourth quarter Wolves. And I go, whew. Did you see Jimmy Butler? Like, let's en- enjoy what we're seeing here from a superstar level player that I thought was good in Chicago. And I knew of him and I had seen him play a number of times. But when you get to see him on a night to night basis, Tuesday night against the Nuggets in December is usually not you are ripping out your heart and throwing it on the floor like Jimmy Butler, but he does it every single night. And here's a good sign. It was a sellout. That's not a game. Now it helps that nobody's working this week, Mm -hmm. except us. But that's not a game I would have bet if I looked at the schedule and said, Nuggets, Timberwolves, that game's going to sell out. But it did. Did you know he was this good? Because I I knew he was good, but no. I don't think I knew he was this good. I don't I don't watch enough NBA. I mean, I know what he did in Chicago was good, but I didn't see him play enough to know. I didn't think he was this able to take a game over single handedly. I know that Tibbs gets a lot of flack, and we talked about that a little yesterday. That I think part of it is that he never opens himself up at all to the fans. That he's just so super hardcore basketball. He doesn't really show anger. But he also doesn't show any sort of personality. He doesn't make himself a fuzzy figure. He's just basketball, which I think opens him up to be an easy guy to criticize. But the fact that he loved Jimmy Butler this much and decided, I am going to move heaven and earth to bring that person to this city to play on my basketball team, that he is exactly what this team needs, that it was a little bit of soft, a little bit of diva maybe with this team, a little bit of just, oh, we I've got great potential, so I'm great. And to bring in a guy who is this passionate and also professional and also still at the end of games, uh, like even taking over and winning, but then after the game, in his interviews, he'll say, yeah, we need to play better defense. I I need these other guys to try harder. That he's willing to call guys out and try to set a standard for this organization. It's something we haven't seen since KG. Or or flat out say, I wasn't going to pass the ball down this (laughs) day. Yeah, right. He just says what... Well, he says whatever he likes, which I think is going to make people like him more. But it's also that he is backing it up with not only scoring, but his effort as well. It just doesn't end. And there's a point in overtime 
he's probably played 45, 50 minutes at that point where he grabs the ball and sprints up the floor with the ball. It's like this guy could run forever. He's like the roadrunner. I mean, as much as he works in as great of shape as he's in, I think he's he's trying to raise all boats with his effort and his play and the things that he says. And it's one thing to you nailed it. It's one thing for a team to win, but to watch the way it, it, it's fun. It goes back to the little big league theory. If you're having fun, good things are going to happen. Now, I don't know that they're all having fun. Um, it still doesn't look like everybody's as engaged as they like. I think if you, in an honest moment, asked every Wolves player, hey, do you guys like that Jimmy Butler started taking things over? There might be a couple that say not so much, uh, but do something about it. I did like I, I did like their reaction when he hit the hesitation, which was a ridiculous move. The last, it was the uh, last jumper he hit. Yeah, where he did, uh, left did the, fading kind of. Yes, yes. Le- yeah, and the dude just disappeared right. basically. Right, uh, that's a tough shot. That is an amazingly tough shot, and then that's I think it was that one where he said, "Can't bleep with me, can't bleep with me," and the reaction of his teammates. To gather yeah. around him like that, um, I mean, I don't think that was just for show. And especially with someone like Cat, Cat is a guy I think that gets sort of down, and then he's up, and then he's down. He kind of could be like that, be a little bit. Uh, a friend of mine used to call it a sad berry. Uh, you, I think having someone like Jimmy and the consistent passion that he brings and the consistent effort that he brings, like I think Cat that might have an impact on. I think Wiggins is lost, but Cat. You might you might be able to push him uh, doing that, but uh, what a game! What a game! Ding ding. Butler six eight. Harris six four. Butler taps it. Loose ball. Corralled by Taj Gibson and a reach-in foul. And Taj is going to be the one that goes to the free throw line. Jeff Teague is lying on the floor. He got messed up in that scrum. Can I say something about Tyus Jones? Underrated? No, I I like him a lot, but I think underrated is the general feeling on Tyus Jones that he's being mistreated, that he deserves to play a lot more. Oh, I don't think that. I, you're that's what, that. All right. That's what I see on Twitter all the time. Well, he needs to play more. He needs to play more. Homers. Of course, that's what we're saying. Yeah. Right. And uh, <laughs> I I think he's very very good at what he does. He's very very good at playing 15 minutes in a game and offering a little bit of a spark and accelerating the ball a little bit, you know, just get get a little kick a little energy into things, hit the three, playing his role. But the idea that he needs a lot more, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot more playing time, no. I think he's great in the role that he's at, and if you lose Jeff Teague for a significant period of time, that's a big problem for this team. I agree with that. I mean, I, I like Tyus's D, but I don't, I like Tyus as a person. I don't see him being a 40-minute-a-night guy. Now, he may need to be. Good news, bad. Now, T, of course, this is like the most Timberwolves thing. T gets hurt on a jump ball. Somebody rolls on his ankle <laughs> yeah, on a jump right. ball. Like, and so you've got that. Cat fouls out. Uh, who else fouled out? Gibson fouled out. Yep. And, and they still win that game. And, so and that's why. That's Jimmy a good sign because that's a yep. game that Timberwolves from 2005 until 2016 lose. Uh, Good news, bad news. It sounds like Gibson was walked out of the locker room last night. Somebody saw him not in a boot, walking out under his own power. That's a good sign. We'll find out, I'm sure, about the MRI this afternoon. Uh, He can't be out long-term. You're right. Uh, Say what you want about Tyus Jones' game. This is no disrespect to him. He can't be out uh, long-term. I mean, tennis assist last night, uh, he is the reason that Jimmy Butler doesn't have to 
every night take things over. He gets Andrew Wiggins involved. He keeps Carl Anthony Towns where he needs to be. He's a consummate point guard. If you want the, the success the Timberwolves have had so far this season to continue, it has to include Jeff T. He's been everything I thought he would be. I, I never thought he was going to be a guy that um, distributed the ball brilliantly like a Chris Paul or something. I never or thought Ricky Rubio. never thought he was going to be a bit. Well, that's what I was getting to. I never thought he was going to be big score. He's just a solid player, and he and he's an, a solid above average point guard. Does anyone miss Ricky Rubio? Because no. I do not. I, I maybe you wonder what he might look like here, but every time Teague hits a three that isn't wide, 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 wide open like Rubio needed it to be, and then even still, uh, I go, oh yeah, that's right, I don't miss Ricky Rubio. It's a steadying, you know, there's no ebb and flow. It's a steadying, that's what you need. That's an NBA point guard. That's what you need. Here's a two-on-one for Minnesota. Stahl has Ennis. Stahl centers! They score! You know, I feel bad for Eric Stahl because this team it, 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 there's so much of a lack of interest a, around the Minnesota Wild because they're the same old Minnesota Wild. Oh, look, they're scraping and grinding for a playoff spot. Last year was a little different, but we're right back to that, huh? Eric Stahl's having an amazing year. Again. and him, Right, again, and him coming in here after it looked like his career was basically over with that short run with the New York Rangers, and now he's a, a point-per-game player. He's back to being a superstar-level player again. And we're kind of like, nah, it's the same old wild. Uh, let me know if when they're in the first round of the playoffs so I can watch them lose. It's just not a fair standard where you're looking at the wild saying, well, they don't have a, a, a 35, 40 goal scorer. Well, you don't need, it'd be nice. You'd love to have that. If you could have Kane, uh, Matthews, sure. G- give me one or two of those guys. Most of the NHL doesn't have that. You know, you're, you're going to have to have guys like Stahl and you're right. What he's been able to put together. There were people I remember when the, the Wild signed him. What are they doing? What a mess. Mm-hmm. This guy's yep. washed up. He's done. He had a bad year. And you talk kind of like the Jeff Teague thing. He's making guys better. Tyler Ennis has had a rough year. Tyler Ennis looked really good last night on the line with Eric Stahl. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. And Ennis, though, I think might end up being out of the lineup, too, if he doesn't continue to play because uh, Zach Parisi's doing a little rehab thing. Well, and I was going to come right. back. Yeah. And ne- right, Nino's going to come back. And uh, Ennis, I mean, hey, for the first time, he looked like a player last night, but we haven't really seen that at all. And that sort of speaks to where the Wild stand that last year they had this roster that was really good top to bottom and they stayed healthy throughout the whole year. And this year you've had injuries pretty much from the get-go and you lose solid players like Eric Howla, Marco Scandella. You get nothing back for Scandella and it's left a big hole in the roster, which has dropped them down in the central. And for everybody here, there are some fan bases, I think, in the NHL, especially in Canada, the one that I came from in Buffalo, that would be watching every single wild game like it was the the, the NFL. They'd be watching it. They'd be breaking it down. Who's playing with who? There'd be hype. With this team, there's so many things other going on with the Vikings, where they stand. I mean, maybe even some some twins hot stove. If they make a move, the Wolves are exciting again. That the Wild end up just being pushed to the team where, yeah, I'll go to a Wild game and watch it. But other than that, I'm not going to focus on a nightly basis. And they're going to need a great second half run in order to get back in that conversation. I think we can do a whole segment on this at some point on what's changed with the Wild expectations over the course of the last three or four years. But no, I, I agree with that 100. And it's it's just the nature of the NHL, though. I mean, you don't want to say 
you skate and you just try to get in, but how many times have we seen a seven seed and eight seed get to the Stanley Cup Finals? I mean, you want, sure, you want to do what they did last year. You want to do what they've done and win division and have home ice, but it's just that they show not, they show no signs that that would be them. Like when, they're not a great team, yeah, but are they a good team? Yes. I'm not even. I'm yeah. If they're fully healthy, I think yes. that they probably are a good team. The way I would look at it though is like last year with Nashville, they were an eight seed and they end up getting in, or yeah. whatever way you want to look at it with the convoluted system. Right. They also missed PK Subban for a stretch, and when they got him back, they were so much better. Different team, yeah. and and they have the superstar. They have the superstar talent, the talent that just goes a cut above what anything that the Wild have. The time that the LA Kings did it, it was the same thing. It's the the goal. T- they have an elite goaltender. They have an elite number one center. They have an elite defenseman. So even though they weren't, even though they had their struggles in the regular season, they still had that cut above playoff talent. And they, the Wild just do not have that. As you mentioned with Stahl, he's the, he's their best player right now, and he's pretty good. But he's not that cut above no. top player in the NHL. And it's just hard to believe that they could get anywhere outside of the first round without having them. Um, speaking of expectations, so we were talking about Jimmy. I'm getting my tattoo designed right now of Jimmy's face. Um, let's talk about what's realistic for the Wolves. I mean, we're excited about the team, but what is fair to think that they should end up with this season? What's a successful season for the Wolves? Chip Scoggins coming in uh, next as well, along with Chris Long, Matthew Collar, in for Mackie and Judd. Corgi sets the high screen to free Jimmy for the three. Great awareness by Corgi to step up and set that screen, and then Jimmy does what he does. When Jimmy Butler did the hesitation and then hung in the air and dropped that shot in, I yelled in my house. Just there are some times where you just oh ain't sports great. That was that was exactly <laughs> my reaction from last night, and I think many people who are watching the game or at the game as well. Jimmy Butler doing special things last night for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Matthew Collar, Chris Long, and Chip Scoggins joining us now, talking about that in for Mackie and Judd. Um, Chip, let me start with you. What's fair for us to consider a successful season for the Minnesota Timberwolves? Well, it's funny when they when they made all these moves in the offseason to basically reconstruct their roster and get older. And um, I think people say, "Well, this this will end the playoff drought." Well, I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, that the bar should be higher than that when you had Jimmy Butler and and uh, Jeff Teague and and Taz Gibson, uh, and then you you know with the, with the pieces that you have. I mean, they're they're what fourth right now in the West? Yeah, nine games. And over so 500. You, you should be. Um, I think that's realistic to be one of the top four seeds in the playoffs, win a series maybe, and then, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say they're, you know, they're ready to to knock off the Warriors, but um, if they can finish one, you know, middle of the pack in the West, maybe win a series, get Cat Wiggins, those guys some some playoff experience, and then see if you can build on that uh, again. But this that, this never was to me should have been. Well, let's just sneak into playoffs and get a taste of it. I think the bar should be much higher than that. I mean, Warriors and Rockets are the class of the West. Yes. After that, I, I could the Wolves could end up anywhere third to six. I'd say maybe Spurs, Wolves, Thunder. I mean, that's where the standings yeah. are right now. But here come the Thunder, by the way. I mean, mm-hmm. after the struggles oh, yeah. early in the Well, season, it's like everything. They're and, on fire. And it's a lot like this team where you can't just throw a lot of pieces together, even though they're all-stars and really good, and say, all right, this thing's going to hum. Uh, perfectly from the get-go. And you're seeing both those teams, I think, early on, we're trying to figure out 
how to play together, um, where does guys like their shots. I, I think with Butler, maybe deferred early on, just you know, oh, trying yeah. to fit in, and now he's like, uh, bleep it, I'm, I'm taking over in the fourth <laughs> quarter. With this. We're winning tonight. And, uh, and so I, I think that's going on with the Thunder, too, where you really have some guys that ball dominate uh, and need their shots, and, and, and for you know that group, they're probably just starting to figure out how to play together. And so it just stands to reason, I think, because of the Thunder and the and the Wolves totally remade themselves. They're going to be a better team in February than, you know, obviously they were in November. I have something very specific in mind for my expectation. It's win a round against a team you're better than. Yes. And when you face the Rockets or face the Warriors... Make it a real series. Yeah, it'll get swept. Do yeah. not get your doors blown off. You won't win. I mean, when you play the Warriors, this is one of the problems with analyzing the Wolves because the Warriors are on television so much. The Rockets are on television so much. Our standard is those teams, and we look at them almost like if you've got a good quarterback and you watch Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger all the time, and then you go, why can't my quarterback do that? Well, mm-hmm. because he's not Tom Brady right. and he's not yeah. Ben Roethlisberger. And it's the same thing with the Wolves bench. It's not good. I mean, it, it, yeah. they've got a couple okay players, but it's not a good bench. The Warriors bench has former All-Stars on yeah. it. And, and it, so you're not going to match up with those teams. You're not going to beat them in a series but can you make a go of it? Can mm-hmm. you take a couple of games from them? Can you have close games? Can you have where James Harden and Jimmy Butler are going back and forth in, in an overtime? Can you give the basketball fans here that type of series to feel good about where this team is going? Because I think a great playoffs for them is a win and then a good series. Mm-hmm. And, I, and what that does, the ripple effect is it kind of validates what Jeff Teague did by coming here and I think would be attractive to other players. Like what Nick Young passed on Minnesota to go play for Golden State. I mean, that's no big deal. It's Nick Young. Still, you want to get that guy. When it comes to next year, when it comes to filling out this the the rest of the roster and being very relevant over a number of years here, I think part of that is go make noise in the playoffs and make people see you as a team that's continuing to rise. But there's the, the rub. I mean, we're talking about where they're going to finish. So somewhere between three and six is going to be Spurs, Wolves, Thunder, and maybe Denver once they get Paul Millsap back. Would you better anything on the Wolves to beat any of those teams in a series? Let's maybe. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's I, that's a fair expectation. Yeah, yeah. But you're saying like, all right, well, they'll make the playoffs and they're going to win a series. Let's see where they're at when you get there, though. Sure. To, to, to me, because sure. uh, uh, I still think there's there's parts. You know, they got to get figure Wiggins out, right? They got to get him. Oh man, I, they they got to <laughs> fix that. And and but if it can, and he can somehow, well, he's going to shoot better eventually, right? Yeah, he's he's going to come out of this slump. And and, and you saw signs last night. What do you, or was it last night? He hit four threes. Yeah. Um, and so maybe that's you know the spark that kind of gets, but. If they can get him going and, and more in tune with what everything else is, then all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, this is a pretty dangerous team uh, when you get to postseason. So, but I think give them the whole season to play together, this group, and still develop that chemistry and try to figure it out. And then I think you'll have a better idea of what's realistic expectations when you get to the playoffs. 
I can't help but dream about what would have happened had they traded Wiggins for Kyrie Kyrie Irving. Irving. I mean, we talked about it. It felt like uh, all summer long we were talking about, oh, there's the rumors and Kyrie's got us on his list that he would come here and would you trade Wiggins for him? And at the time, I think there was some hesitation. Not with Kyrie, not for me. It was like, go get Kyrie. Uh, But, um, you know, there was some hesitation (laughs) because of his potential. And sometimes... I remind myself that there are rookies who come out into the NBA who are older still than Andrew Wiggins. Mm-hmm. But the bigger sample we get of the where it looks like he takes nights off, uh, long stretches of games off, it makes you think, boy, are they going to regret not trading him because his stock was extremely high right. on the trade market. Yeah, and it's it's still to, to I mean, forget about the the shooting struggles he's had right now because he's just kind of in a in a slump, but to me it's more the shot selection that just sometimes pulls my hair out where it just looks like he comes down and he's like, okay, it's my turn. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to take a bad shot uh, just because it's my turn. I, yeah. And you said it earlier, it's like, I got to get 20 points a night right. somehow, some way, whether this is a good shot, bad shot, uh, whatever. That's the kind of thing. It just drives me crazy. It's like, there's no flow sometimes with, with how he plays or the shot selection that he has. And so I think that's why you see more of uh, Butler asserting himself in the fourth quarter where, it's I'm, a trust I'm thing. not leaving this thing to chance. I'm taking over, and I, to me personally, I don't care. Somebody's getting a phone call. <laughs> to me, I don't care if he. I think he sort of made fun of it last night. He's like, I was in that mode where I'm not passing it. Yeah, I don't care. Right. <laughs> to me, it does not bother me. I mean, if the game's on the line and he wants to win it, go win it. Wiggins gets beat up a lot. He's a talented player. I mean, he hits five threes last night. Um, I'm okay with him shooting threes. It's those. Half a step it's inside in yeah. with mm-hmm. 17 seconds left on the shot clock that drive me crazy. Yeah, just come down and, and take a contested, you know, yeah, just cause footer you, just because it's just cause my you turn. Can make a shot, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you should take it. I mean, yeah, and that's the kind of thing that once we start talking about a playoff series against the Spurs, a playoff series against a, a Millsap led Nuggets team, can't have that. Yeah. You can't have that. You've got to be sharp, and I don't know if that switch can be flipped. Now, you made the point, if the rest of the team kind of rises but up a little bit, it's not going to matter. I think when you get to there, you know what you're going to get from Butler, you know what you're going to get from Cat, you know what you're going to get from Teague and Taj. Wiggins still, to me, is the kind of wild card. Sure. And what are you going to get from a night-to-night basis? And if you get in a playoff against really good defensive teams and coaches that are really good and going to game plan, what are you going to get from him that's going to contribute in a positive way? And he could also be the type of player that, for whatever reason, that sparks something in him, and mm-hmm. he drops 50 because he yeah. has the capability to do that. I finally put my finger on what drives me crazy about him, and it isn't defense. Everybody brings that up, and yes, there are lapses in, in his defense. What drives me crazy, I think, you mentioned the long shots. It's not going to the basket. And going to the basket, if you see what LeBron deals with all the time, you just get destroyed. You yeah. just get hacked and you get smashed. And if you do it all the time, referees stop calling fouls, as we saw on Christmas Day, where Kevin Durant literally just <laughs> hacked him. <laughs> just hacked him. And, like, I mean, I, I, I don't enjoy watching players complain about calls because you could complain about all calls all the time. And just after every foul, throwing up the arms and everything, like, do your arms get tired from throwing them up all day long? Maybe you'd shoot better if you don't. Uh, but with LeBron. I mean, he just gets demolished and doesn't get a lot all the calls when he goes to the basket. With Wiggins, if 
he has the the ability to jump, the ability to finish, the ability to, to dunk, dribble, whatever he could, to, to yeah. dribble. He well, could go to the basket yeah. all the time and finish there, or get to the free throw line all the time. But it hurts to do that. You get beat up. You get poked in the eye. And and I I don't know that he's ever willing to do that. It's funny. He had a move last night. I just remember it. And I remember thinking last night. He backed the guy down, like three dribbles, backed him into the paint, and then just did a quick jump over him for like a little five foot floater, and like. He should do that all the time yeah. with his mm-hmm. athleticism and, and quick jump and how, uh, you know, just strong he is. Um, but he doesn't. He settles too much. And I don't know if that's just his personality or, or what, but that play just stands out to me. I'm like, man, he would be a nightmare if he did that more often. But, Butler had 18 free throw attempts last night. That's right. Towns that's exactly and Wiggins it. combined yeah. for five. Well, and, that, and when Butler is taking over at the end of these games and, uh, Matt on Twitter sent me the December fourth quarter stats have been much better. And I think no coincidence that that's right around when Jimmy said, Jimmy was like, nah, nah, nah you guys don't get the ball anymore at the yeah. end of the games. I'm going to take care of this. I'm the superstar. A lot, But he does a lot of that damage at the free throw line. Mm-hmm. He, he ends up on the floor a lot late in the fourth quarter because he's rising up and getting hacked and thrown to the ground. And he's willing to take that. And I, that is the part of Wiggins where when we talk about the effort or you talk about the heart or whatever, some guys are never going to be great on defense. That might be him, but there's no excuse for being, what is he? Six, eight Mm. and being able to jump to the top of the backboard and not going to the basket all the time. The only excuse for not doing it is, well, that's not really any fun sometimes. Well, defensive end too. I mean, you see the games where he gets one rebound. How's that possible? Yeah. How is that possible? I mean, this team it's not like this is a running team where every time the shot goes up, he's expected he's to be leading floor, a fast yeah. break going the other way. I mean, yeah. if that was the case, I'd understand it. But, you know, it, one, two rebounds, I, I scratch yeah. my head how that's even possible. And I think the part that frustrates you the most is what you're talking about, Chip, is if, if he was what we dreamed he could be for his talent, if he matched up to his talent and consistently, this team would be unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, they would be a legitimate contender. Maybe not quite Warriors yeah. level, but they would be right there. Those teams that you named off, I'd be saying, oh, they'll beat them in the playoffs. Well, because now you have three stars. And that's yes. the NBA is a three-star league now. And how much do you think it's just him when Jimmy came in, taking over as the guy that Wiggins is still trying to figure out? Because that's not his personality at all. Yeah. Even though he would take, he would be the guy to take the last second shot, but we the said last that- shot last night, just trying to figure out where he fits in the pecking order with Butler Cat. We said that last year when they drafted Cat. Said, okay, good. This is perfect. This is a situation where this is a guy that likes the spotlight. He's effervescent. He can fill that role. Didn't really (laughs) change anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It didn't translate on court. Now I haven't seen it change now, now that there's two Two alpha dogs. Right. If you were going to go back, if you were Tibbs and uh, the Chicago Bulls call and they say, we'll do it for either Wiggins or Levine, would you rather have Levine here? I think I still do Wiggins. I, I still do. I mean, I just think there's on this team. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I do. Um, you mean you would? Trade, t- you I would, would trade it, Wiggins or keep him? Keep him. Oh, keep yeah, him. I would okay. keep it as. Am is. I getting Teague anyway? Yeah. Then yeah, yeah. I keep, then Wiggins. If Teague's not coming, then I need a point guard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think there is an argument for Levine because of the way he played. That even if he's less talented than Wiggins, he rose his own play and might have been a really good fit playing with Jimmy Butler that playing off of each other because he was that kind of guy. He was he was an effort guy too. Yeah. Is it it's not as convincing now as it was maybe then? Because when the draft they I said, boy, this is a steal. I mean you get 
Butler and you're keeping Wiggins? Come on. I mean, his play this year obviously has given you a lot of pause and frustration, but I still think, gosh, when you look at his athletic ability and the times when he is engaged and, and pouring it on, if they can just get that consistently and figure out how to, he can figure out how to mesh with, with, with Butler and, and, and Cat. Yeah. I still think I, I want that. And I think Levine's going to be a pretty darn good player. Yeah. Yeah. I that's mean, not a knock on Zach. I, I think he's going to exceed expectations, initial expectations. I think he's going to be terrific, but yeah, with the pieces as they are in this team, I, I think Wiggins is, <laughs> we're, we're beating the guy up because of potential. He still fills a, you know, yeah. you're glad. You're glad you have him. You just wish you could squeeze a little more juice out of him. I just wish he would be a more efficient player. That's all. I mean, when you're shooting 63% or something from the free throw line and 30% from three before last night, it's just that that's where you go. Boy, I wonder if somebody who didn't shoot 15 times a game was in that spot, that the distributed other shots to the other players would go in more often than when he's wasting possessions. Uh, Matthew Collar. Chris Long and Chip Scoggins from the Star Tribune in for uh, Mackie and Judd. If you want to chime in, what's a what's a win for this Wolves franchise? What What is your expectation now that you've seen a half a season, basically, of Wolves basketball? Feel free to chime in, 651-646-8255. When we come back, who's the backup quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings? Want to win a 55-inch TCL Roku TV? Join John Hyde at, Ma- at the Main Street Bar and Grill in Hopkins from 2 to 4 p.m. Monday, January 1st for the ultimate college football viewing party with Dos Equis. Come enjoy a nice cold one and register to win that new TV. Put game day over everything this college football season with Dos Equis, the official beer sponsor of the college football playoffs. More details at 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Well, we've got to get the uh, TCL TV in here. It's really, it's really nice. The other, the other day, Doogie and I were watching some horror film, and we're talking about, <laughs> and, and it wasn't the Vikings season. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, we're watching. Uh, I guess I should have gone <laughs> with somebody else. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 2016 Vikings season yeah, was a horror better. film. Uh, but so we're talking about something, I don't know, the Vikings. And I look over and someone's head gets locked <laughs> off. I'm like, all right, can we change this? You know, um, I do I do want to ask you about the college bowl games, Chip. Matthew yes. Collar, Chip Scoggins, and uh, Chris Long in here for Mackie and Judd. But let's get a let's get a call from uh, Mike here. What's up, Mike? How you doing, gentlemen? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm a season ticket holder. I've been watching the team since 89, so I'm a big fan and whatnot. The, the thing that really makes me nervous is it's just something that went really kind of happened for a long time even with Kevin Love is I get real nervous about the fact that it seems like every team we play they have these big guys that just really take advantage of us in the middle and that's no disrespect to Taj Gibson or Towns but last night was a perfect example they had Plumley and that other guy it was just a, a tree and it's I, I just can't understand I really like this I think he's a great coach and, and but I'm having a little trouble understanding why Aldrich isn't getting minutes and, and Boz isn't getting minutes. Hey, thanks for the call, Mike. Uh, I think that that is a big problem for this team when it yeah. comes to the defense is that they do not have some massive human being. I mean, even um, even the Warriors had Pachulia yeah. and they had Bogut before that. There's some value in just taking the most giant guy from Australia and sticking him right a, in the middle. A rim protector. If yeah. nothing else, he's six fouls that Carl Anthony Towns doesn't have to take. Yeah. Go in there and just stand and don't let anyone score for seven minutes. Well, we were all complaining two weeks ago about playing time or last week, whenever it was. Um, And and I made an argument. I just don't understand. You can't get 
eight minutes out of Cole Aldridge. Yeah. Just the run up and down, rebound, block a couple shots. Because he's done that in his career. We've seen it at other stops. And so he's not an all-star. He's fine. He's an NBA player. He is an NBA player. He, yeah, they just obviously it's a trust thing. And, and with, with Boz, I have honestly no clue what's going on I, there. I don't know. I mean, it's it went from and I know he was playing horribly, but it went from I thought it'd be okay, we're gonna I'm gonna scratch him for a couple games and then get my point across to now it's you can't even find him. Well, I don't understand why they brought him back. I mean, if if you weren't gonna use him didn't you well, know they were who, using him. But didn't you know who he was yes. from last year, though? I mean, if this was going to drive you crazy that he shoots the basketball every time it gets near him, he's yeah. like George Costanza Chucker. <laughs> it's just, he doesn't even have to have the ball, and still somehow he takes a yeah. shot. And, but but you knew that that was going to happen. That's, that's exactly what you have with him, and you decide to bring him back. Maybe there was uh, so little on the free agent market, but yeah. what good is, is he here now? I mean, it, maybe can you get 10 minutes out of him? That doesn't drive me as crazy as it does to watch someone like Steven Adams just pummel Cat. And the reality of Cat is that he's tall, but he's not wide. Yeah, And uh, Steven Adams, like, takes up the whole paint. Well, So maybe you do need to have someone, when there is a big guy like that, you do need to have someone in that's going to be able to battle that guy. And that's, to Mike's point, I think I saw the stat last night, maybe you uh, retweeted longer, that the first team that has a five-game winning streak where all five uh, opponents scored over 100 points. And so (laughs) that's pretty... It speaks well to their offense, but not so much their defense. And that, that is the thing. When you get in the in in the playoffs, they've got to be better defensively, right? I mean, that's just an obvious. And so, are they going to be able to get the stops when they have to get them? And that's the great unknown with this team still. Well, and I look at it again. It's just a numbers game. Where you look at last night, your front court: Towns fouls out, Gibson fouls out, Wiggins had five fouls. Forget minutes and wear and tear. You don't. Especially in the playoffs where defense tightens up, yeah, you need someone in there just so these guys can stay in the game and not get six fouls. Yeah, and that's that's not a knock on Aldrich. I, I don't want him to stand there and be a puppet. I think he's fine. I think he absolutely for what he should deserves be. six to eight minutes yeah. just to give Cat a, a blow. Yeah, I, I don't understand. And clearly, it's just a, a trust thing with Tibbs that yeah, and he, I, he rides his guys. Gorgie's fine. He's fine. He just he's not becoming anything more than what he is. Yeah. yeah. To your yeah. point on the on the defense, Chip, uh, I think about all the time how expectations shape our opinions on sports. I mean, that's everything, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, with uh, Case Keenum, if Case Keenum's name is Tom Brady and he does the same thing, you're like, what's wrong with Brady? Yeah. He's, he's having some <laughs> off games here. But it's Case Keenum, and you're like, whoa, this is amazing because he was undrafted and a couple yeah. other teams got rid of him. And with Tibbs... If his name was Mike D'Antoni, we'd be like, all right, this is the offense we were hoping for. This is great. Look at this team scoring over 100 points all the time. But since it's Tibbs and he's the defensive guy, you expect them to play great defense. Give up 86 points. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I mean, we expected this to look like 1994 again. And uh, I I think you kind of just have to deal with what your roster is giving you. And they don't have a grinded out defensive team, they have a bunch of guys who are kind of weak in that area. And if, if you're going to win, you're going to have to outscore them. And so far, they've been doing that enough. Let's go to uh, Greg in Minneapolis. Whoa, that's the wrong button. Stop it. All right, there we go. Greg in Minneapolis, what's up? Hey, guys. Hey, um, just to let you know that um, I'm trying to like the NBA, but after watching the game last night on TV, there is just no flow <clears> to <throat> these NBA games. Referees call a foul right now. And every play, every time you can't even bleed on a player without a foul being called, there's no flow. Can any of these games, especially in the fourth quarter, where the offensive guy can run over a guy and and they always the foul is always caught on the defensive player. 
There's no flow in these games whatsoever. I was, yeah, I would Thanks, say Ryan. last night was particularly to me clunky. There were a lot of mm-hmm. fouls that were like you could tell both teams were getting exasperated, and Jim P was getting exasperated. It was a horribly officiated game. Yeah. But if you didn't enjoy last night, yeah. you were well, talking about earlier. If you didn't have fun watching that game last night, oh, I mean. But I tuned in pretty much for overtime. I was watching the Bull games, <laughs> well, and we'll talk about that yeah, a little it's bit. The NBA, Jim, but, who watches the first three quarters? But I, his to his point, I the other day with uh, the non foul calls on LeBron drove me crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where where this happens way too often for me is when I go to Lynx games, and I feel like it's the second tier referees, mm-hmm. and when they're calling everything early in a game, you just want to leave. Yeah, it's just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> stop it. And I feel exactly the same way as him. Where I would say about the modern NBA is uh, every once in a while on NBA TV, I'll be watching one of those games from the 90s. Yeah. And it would be like, this is the most boring thing ever compared to now. And I loved that. I mean, I grew up on the 90s NBA with Jordan and Shaq and all that. But I was watching uh, Orlando and Houston, their uh, finals the other night on NBA TV. Dribble down the court, dump it down in the post. Dribble, <laughs> dribble, dribble, back it in, yeah. Hold it, look around, make a move. Like, okay, someone shoot a three already. <laughs> I mean, it, it, so I think the right. flow is much improved. Yes. but I yeah. think that's a fair criticism of last night's game for those of us who watched more than just the fourth quarter. Yeah. I think officials NBA wide, the problem is the anticipated call, and I, I, yeah. there are a couple yeah. down the stretch yesterday in the Wolves game where. Well, Teague had sure, one. Yeah, yeah, for sure that Didn't one touch. Yeah. Oh, the guy fell. Yeah, he tripped. And yeah. you, you, you just, they got to reprogram somehow that you don't just blow the whistle there. You have to somehow take that beat and say, was there actually contact? Because, yes, we get the benefit of replay. And, yes, the game moves quickly. And, yes, those are tough calls to make. But there's a lot of the anticipating contact that never comes. Towns fouled out on one that I thought yeah. was ticky tech. Might have bodied him a little bit, but I don't think it was a foul. But I agree. I mean, it's, you have to call a foul a foul. Yeah. Um. So I don't know what you do if, if if contact is going to disrupt the flow and make it harder to watch. I don't know what you do there unless you change the definition of what a foul is. But, yeah, those anticipated foul calls are the ones that get me. Until the end of time, we will debate what a catch is and yeah, what a foul exactly, is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, yeah. I've gotten to the point where it does drive me crazy sometimes, just like Greg, but I've just yeah. accepted it. If I'm going to like professional sports, there are some things about the game that are just going to be a nightmare. I know. And what's a catch is a nightmare, <laughs> and what's a foul is a nightmare. It's just how it's going to be. I had somebody at the Vikings uh, tell me the other day, is, he said it was the Brad Childress theory. He's like, if 50 drunk guys in a bar think that's a catch, it's probably a catch. Right? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but uh, if you didn't hold it through the, you know. Oh, through the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Survive the ground. Yeah, Survive right, the yeah. ground. What else uh, is on that list? Not to, not to start a whole segment, but just sports things that we complain about that like to play in baseball, maybe? Uh, offside in hockey, for sure. Yeah. Uh, now that they review offside in hockey, they've corrected it a little bit, but when they were reviewing every goal, yes. yeah. I just never wanted to watch hockey ever again. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, there is not enough scoring in this game to begin with, and you're taking away goals because of a toenail? Like, yeah. oh no, but you can see there on this hyper digitally enhanced thing <laughs> that his toe was off the. No, do not take away goals. Yeah. So that, that, but they've done a little better this year, but that drove me completely mad last year. It's when, it's when leagues go out of their way to drive you crazy. The yeah. catch rule is the same thing. Let's make it so convoluted. Somebody grabbed the word count. And it was like 20,000 words or something on what a catch is. Like, if you need that many words, maybe you need to rethink 
how you define this. Yeah. 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 Uh, Go ahead. Well, 651-646-8255, you got a thought on the Wolves, what's realistic expectations for their season after what you've seen through about half the year. And next, Chip Scoggins, Chris Long, myself, Matthew Collar, and for Mackie and Judd, we will get to Sam Bradford, backup quarterback? All right, back here, 1500 ESPN, Matthew Collar, Chip Scoggins, and Chris Long with you. Uh, We'll get another call here on the Wolves and then discuss the backup quarterback situation, which has suddenly become very interesting for the Minnesota Vikings. But first, go ahead, John. What's up? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, Just wanted to check in on what the Wolves uh, season would look like for for a successful year. I think we need to win uh, one playoff series to have it be a real success. It's kind of easy to look back and say we haven't made the playoffs in a while. Getting there would be enough. But you look at some of the teams that have taken a big step back this year, like the Thunder, Dallas, Memphis, Clippers. I think we need to uh, take a step up into that kind of second tier, be uh, behind Houston and Golden State, and and get a win this year in the playoffs. Yeah, I I am 100% with you, John. Thanks for the call. I, I, again, will caution you about putting the Oklahoma City Thunder in a drawer. Same. If you have not watched in the last... Three, four weeks, they are back. They've got it together. Yeah. They are playing like the team we thought they would be. But I think John is right on. I, I do too. Yeah. You have to beat you have to beat a good team. You're probably not gonna face a schlub in the playoffs if you're a four seed or something like that. So go ahead and beat a good team because yeah. that's what you've put together over a number of years here. I think what we're everybody's saying is it's not really enough. It's or it's not gonna be satisfying just to say I agree. Ah, playoffs yeah, drafts right, over. We're, right. we're you know we got to the playoffs. Whoo! I agree. You know now now you're better than that. Right. You you should have higher aspirations. You should that. set the standard to not be the worst organization in basketball. <laughs> you should set it to against all the other ones, especially when you have a superstar player like Jimmy Butler. The teams with the superstar players don't always go all the way because there's the super teams that have many of them, and then one team has LeBron, so they're just yeah. always there. Uh, but. If you have a superstar player, it's kind of like when uh, Houston first got James Harden. And maybe we all didn't realize how good James Harden really was. But immediately in the playoffs, immediately with the ability to win a round. Mm -hmm. I think they had that comeback against the Clippers where they were down maybe 3-1 or something like that. And they came back and won. That's your expectation. Your expectation doesn't need to be super team. You're going to have to keep building on that. But... It should be all right if you face Oklahoma City. Yeah, they're good, but but beat them. Are you? Yeah, right. But beat them. Yeah. Um, the backup quarterback situation for the Vikings guys. Uh, yesterday, if you'd have told me five months ago <laughs> that we'd be having this conversation, yeah. I uh, right. Yeah, who's gonna back up Case Keenum was uh, not on my <laughs> right. list of predictions yeah. for the year. Uh, but it's become a, a conversation now, and something Mike Zimmer is gonna have to decide on who the number two is. If Sam Bradford, who's going to start practicing next week. If he's ready to go with his knee situation, should he be the backup quarterback or Teddy Bridgewater? What do you guys think? Teddy. I think so, you, too. You go with the, I mean, Bradford hasn't even been seen. He hasn't, I, mean, I know he's been around a facility, but you can't expect a guy has been that uh, you know, inactive to come back and, and just jump right back in. I, I don't even think it's a discussion. It's just, it's just so, like, 16 weeks ago. <laughs> There's, there's no way you could have said we're going to be sitting here honestly saying this is going to be the Vikings' depth chart as they get set to go in as the two seed in the playoffs. Keenum, Bridgewater, Bradford. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. I think at least Teddy's taken reps. He's fresh. He's been engaged. He's been practicing. You know, but then I'll play devil's advocate. You go to the who gives you the best chance to win right now. If Keenum goes down on the first snap 
of the I, second I, round of the playoffs, who gives you the best chance to I win? I still that think game? you go with the guy who's been practicing for for weeks versus a guy who hasn't even been on the practice field. I mean, how could you expect a guy who hasn't been on a practice field come back, have one week of practice, and be able to just jump right into a game? Now you can say the same thing about Teddy. He's had this long layout, but at least. I mean, how many weeks weeks has he been practicing? Five, six, whatever. Uh, he's been practicing since October eighteenth. Yeah, so so I mean, weeks. it's it's been quite a long time. And yeah. taking first team reps because I think Zimmer kind of cracked the door open a little bit yesterday on the fact that he didn't trust Case Keenum for a, a big portion of this season and was probably planning on turning it back to Bridgewater. So I agree from that standpoint. And what might scare uh, Mike Zimmer a little bit is that. Bradford was cleared to play in a game against Chicago the last time they played the Bears. They said, oh, yeah, your knee's okay. Get out there, buddy. And it lasted two plays before we all knew he should have been out of the game. They left him in for too long, but he was able to convince them that he was good to go. And then once he got out there, that was the problem. The other point of it, too, is Bridgewater has this long history, whether it's 2015 or in college, whatever it's going to be of kind of being a gamer clutch guy. Mm. And if Keenum had a meltdown in the first half and you're down 17 nothing, that you could turn to Bridgewater and think, maybe there's a chance. Maybe it's in there. I don't think that about Bradford. He's never really had no. that. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, to me, it, it's great that he's coming back um, and, you know, just to have the practice. But I just, for a guy that's been gone for weeks, months, I don't think you could even entertain that thought of him being your backup. All right, Chip. Thanks for uh, yeah. Thanks for having by. me in. Yeah, yeah. for sure. We didn't get. To, let's talk about some college bowl games next, Chris, because yeah. we haven't. Uh, we didn't get to talk about them, Chip. I know you're the only other guy <laughs> like me who me will watch any of them. Yeah, I'll be over your house later. <laughs> All right, uh, Matt and Chris in for Mackie and Judd. We'll be back.